Today with Catherine Ruinala. I often say that prophecy is not necessarily inevitability, it's an invitation waiting for your response. And we need to wage war with the prophetic words spoken over us. We need to hear what the Lord's saying. You know, all of Scripture speaks to us all the time. But as we hear what the Holy Spirit is putting emphasis on, we can, we can recognize it. We can begin to uh, be armed with his word as we step into the next thing that he's doing, the new era that he's working on and work with him, hallelujah, and see his plans and his purposes in the earth. Well, as we were preparing, I had uh, the, the privilege this week of meeting with the Australian Prophetic Council. I have the, I have the great privilege of facilitating that, and, um, and we'd met earlier with the Queensland Prophetic Council. And as, I was, as we were getting ready uh, to meet together, we only have about 30 people, any more than that, and we, it's not able to really be a round table. I also sit on the, uh, have the privilege of serving on the American Council of Prophetic Elders as an international guest, and as we do the same thing there, only around 30 people, but we, we spend a whole day just prophesying, hearing the word of the Lord, and um, as we were preparing to do that, I felt to write to the prophets and uh, just give them some direction about uh, what the day was going to look like, what we were going, to, what it was going to be, and what what the purpose of the prophets, the purpose of prophecy and prophets was and is. And you know, I've seen so much confusion over my time in ministry. I've been in full time ministry now uh, for about twenty years, and. I've seen so many misconceptions and misunderstanding about the prophetic. I've had people come up to me in meetings uh, and ask me, can you tell me if I'm supposed to sell my refrigerator or not? And I, and I look at them and, and realize they don't understand they don't understand the role of the prophet. We're not somebody who stands between you and God and hears for God, from God for you. You are his sheep. You can hear his voice. Ask him yourself. Because I can only say what I hear the father saying, and he's not talking to me about your refrigerator. But if you ask him, he might talk to you about that because he wants to direct your steps. Hallelujah. Or they'll come to me, and I'm, as I'm sure they've probably come to some of our other ministers, and they'll say things like, should I marry this person? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Have you looked in the word of God? You know, is, are, you, are you following the principles of God? Are you equally yoked? Have you got some godly counsel from your, for your pastors and leaders? I, I, but don't look to me and ask me to, to tell you what to do. Ask the Lord. Look to the word of God. Let's have some godly counsel. Prophets are not fortune tellers. We are servants of God. Hallelujah. And so we wanted to just, I wanted to just help realign uh, some of the purpose of the prophetic. And I felt to read this letter that I wrote to our prophets uh, with you to help bring a little bit of clarification around what the purpose of the prophetic is. I particularly wanted to address the issue of predictive prophecy and so I said this, predictive prophecy is a very biblical concept. 
I'm reminded of Acts 11 when it was prophesied that there'd be a worldwide famine. Do you remember? Agabus prophesied there'd be a a worldwide famine and they were able to respond and the saints were able to prepare by sending relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. A predictive prophecy with a clear direction of how to respond is useful and a blessing in one of the roles of the prophet. However, I'm concerned that there's been an overemphasis on predictive prophecy of late, leading to prophetic words being released that have, a, have specific predictions but lack any clear direction as to why the word's being given and in what way it's supposed to equip the saints. For Ephesians 4, 11 to 16 talks about equipping the saints, that the purpose of the prophet is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. When we lose sight of our purpose as prophets, we begin to run the risk of, dare I say it, prostituting the gift of God to exalt ourselves so that we can simply say that we were right, we called it, I called it. And unless the, unless the word has at its core the purpose of equipping the saints for the work of ministry, we need to question, why are we giving this word? I believe strongly that God desires us all to come up higher to a place of consecration and holiness in the reverential fear of the Lord. The church needs to see more specifically and hear more clearly in order to fulfill our governmental mandate as leaders who can point the way forward for believers in these tumultuous times. My caution is simply to make sure that we're asking ourselves the question, how is this word equipping those who'll hear it? With that in mind, I believe we'll begin to develop a greater integrity and influence in the wider body and do our part in raising up prophetic people who'll be a great blessing to the church in years to come. They tried to draw Jesus into speaking about the Roman Empire. They, you know, if you read about it in Scripture, the, the most pressing issue of the day for the Jewish people, you would have imagined, would have been the Roman oppression, the horrific taxation, the persecution that they were experiencing. And naturally, they wanted the Messiah to speak about what was going to happen with the Roman occupation. When are you going to talk to us about when we're going to get free from this terrible government, this terrible regime? When are you, and every time they pressed him to try to get him to talk about that, to hate with them, he began to talk about the kingdom. He kept his focus. He only said what he heard the Father saying. He only did what he saw the Father doing. And there are times we're called to speak into government. There's times that we're called to speak into different circumstances. But we need to be in the reverential fear of God that we're not just prophesying our opinion or prophesying out of cultural pressure that is demanding a word, tell us what the Lord says about this situation, when God himself is actually speaking about something else. My other encouragement is that we may never lose sight of the call to speak the truth in love. Without love, our prophecies are dangerous. Revelation 19.10 says, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Without him who is love at the center of all our prophetic words, our words are hollow, incomplete, and fruitless. Jesus always manifested himself as the answer. So please keep looking until you see Jesus the answer and his redemptive plan. You know, what good is it if a prophet comes and they have a word of knowledge? I see that you are depressed. And they're right. Yeah, yeah. 
and then they, then they move on. It's like, how has that helped you? Wow, it's a sign and a wonder. Yes, yes, you read my mail. Yes, I am depressed. But without a redemptive answer, it is not a mature word. Many times prophecy is made up of a word of knowledge, a word of prophecy, and a word of wisdom. And, and it always has to have at its center, new covenant prophecy must have at its center Jesus, who is the answer. Who every time he was presented with a problem, he manifested himself as the answer. Every time someone came to him with a, oh, please, God, help me with this. He manifested himself as the answer. We as prophets need to be looking until we see Jesus, the answer, and the redemptive solution to what he is saying. Hallelujah. The direction that the word of the Lord to equip the saints to do and to run with him. Hallelujah. With mature, healthy, prophetic words from prophets ministering in love and the fear of the Lord, we look forward to the promise of Ephesians 4. I'll read this to you. Ephesians 4.11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning deceitfulness of uh, cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, not just loving to speak the truth, speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Hallelujah. It was brought up this afternoon, and I loved this, that on January 1st, our Prime Minister changed the Australian National Anthem so that instead of for we are young and free. He changed it to we are one and free. And I found that so fascinating because many of the prophets have been declaring that 2021 is a coming of age. That we as the body of Christ are being called into a place of maturity where we come of age, where we grow up. And that's this, this call from the Lord to grow up into a place of maturity and, in, and into a place of unity where we are one and free. Rather than uh, division as we are seeing in so many parts of the world, divisive uh, people and, and um, people dividing and fighting. God is looking for his bride, his body to be one. Hallelujah. Galatians 3.28 says, neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for we are all one in Christ. Hallelujah. And we need to be careful to recognize that God's wanting to bring us into a place of unity and maturity where we're no longer infants who are tossed about by every wind of doctrine, but craving the meat of the word. And, you know, there's been a, a stirring over the last little while of a, what I'm calling a Bible revival. And I, I've been stirred myself as a leader to really equip the saints just in the basics of the gospel and 
um, memorizing scripture. Because I believe, and I believe it's more than just a good idea. I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting to equip the saints so that they can grow up, that they might crave the meat of the word and that they might be instructed to know how to use it. So for example, if you, if you start feeling, I don't feel like I can do it. I feel overwhelmed. I don't, it's all too much. I don't think I can. I think I I, I can't. You can recognize, hey, that is not God in me speaking. That is the deceiver trying to get me to give up. And you can pick up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I thank you, Lord, that you are for me who can be against me. In my weakness, you are strong. We can say it is written and use the sword of the Spirit. Say, yes, Lord, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I have the mind of Christ. I have the strength of Christ. I thank you, Lord, that you strengthen me, Father, that in every area, Lord, I can trust you for you are faithful and true. And it's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Nothing is impossible for those who believe. You give strength to the weary. Hallelujah. That when we, we hear uh, threats and intimidations and we're, we're feeling the fear that the world is feeling and the, the stress. I remember when we went into lockdown, I was in the shops and I could just feel the stress and the fear and the stress. You, does anybody else know what I'm talking about? You just pick it up. You can feel it. Ugh. But when that, when that fear comes in, we need to recognize that we, we don't need to be thermometers, but thermostats. That we need to pick up the sword of the Spirit and say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. You said, Lord, fear not, for you are with me. Though I walk through the waters, you will be there. I will not be drowned. I will not be burned. I thank you, Lord, that you surround me with your favor as with a shield. You give your angels charge over me to guard me in all my ways. No plague shall come nigh my dwelling. Thank you, Lord, by your stripes I am healed. I thank you, Lord, that I dwell in the secret place of the Most High God. I thank you that you're my refuge, you're my strength, you're my stronghold who you are for me, who can be against me. Hallelujah. We need a Bible revival where the people of God have access to the word of God when they need it. So it needs to be sown in. We need to become people who don't just crave the latest opinion or the latest prophetic word, but are anchored in the word of God so that we can discern what is right and wrong. Hallelujah. There's a lot of words about uh, coming out that I really believe we need to incline our ear and listen. And it, it has to do with refining and purity and repentance and fire. I believe there's an invitation to personal revival that's going to lead to corporate revival. Hallelujah. And the Holy Spirit is moving. You know, when you start to feel God moving on your heart, I remember the other night in worship, um, Pastor Aaron just said, just give your life to the Lord. And I could feel the spirit of revival in the room. I could feel the Holy Spirit just causing me afresh. Just want to surrender afresh and give my whole to him and to remember, oh, that's right. Oh, God, yes. My life is not my own. What am I doing? Messing in the affairs of men. Oh, God. Oh, God. You are God. Hallelujah. 
And when you sense that, when you, when you sense the, the stirring of the Spirit on your heart, God wants us to turn aside. You know, I often think of Moses when he saw the burning bush. And it was a sign and a wonder. But he didn't just run home and tell his wife, oh, it's amazing. You know what I saw? I saw a burning bush and it wasn't being consumed. It must have been God. It was amazing. Because if he'd done that, he would have missed the commissioning that was intended through the encounter. Instead, the Bible says when he saw the bush that was burning, he turned aside. And then the voice spoke to him out of the bush. You know, when you start to feel that little invitation from the Holy Ghost, like, I just feel like he's pulling me. Like this morning, as I got up to go from my prayer time, I could feel him pulling me back in and just saying, just a little longer. And when you yield to his voice, when you yield to him, then the commissioning happens. Then the voice speaks. And if you will turn aside and make room for God, God will begin to set alight your heart. You will become the bush that burns and is not consumed. Hallelujah. You will become the sign and the wonder for everybody else to turn aside and give glory to God. Hallelujah. To be commissioned to be followers of him. Hallelujah. I think of Moody. When I love reading his story, um, D.L. Moody, that when he was off to, to evangelism in England and he was in America getting ready to go on the boat and there'd been some intercessors praying for him to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And as he was walking down the street, he suddenly felt this urge to pull aside and pray. And so he just went and knocked on a friend's door that he knew lived nearby. And he said, can I just have a spare room for a bit? I just feel to pray. And he went into the room, began to pray, and he was baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. And then when he got on the boat, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people began to, uh, gave their hearts to Jesus when he got to England. Instead, he said, instead of seeing hundreds, I began to see thousands. And you know, as we as a people need to recognize in this hour that we need to be attuned to the voice of God, to make room for Him, not to be caught up in our, in our plans and our ways, but to be willing to be flexible wineskins that'll move when He moves, to, to pull aside. I've had times when I've been driving that I've felt the Holy Spirit ask me to pull over and pray, and as I've begun to intercede, I've had incredible revelation, visions, words of knowledge. As the Holy Spirit has spoken to me, we need a fresh fear of the Lord that will say, oh, Yes, Lord. I remember once I was just a young mum and I was driving to go and pick up the kids from my mother in law. And um, I was heading off, and I heard the Lord say, Turn around and go and pray. I, you know, I will, I'll, I'll do that. I'll just go and get the kids first. And as I kept driving, he said, anything you put above obedience to me is idolatry. I went, it's a bit heavy. I turned around and I, I went home and I began to pray, put some worship on, took me a couple of songs to get my attitude sorted out. And, and then the Lord spoke. He said, I want you to go and pray for this lady. And so I got on the phone and tried to raise her and she wasn't there. So I got in the car and went to her house and she wasn't there. The neighbor told me she'd just been taken by ambulance to the emergency room. So I went to the emergency room. Praise the Lord, I didn't have my toddlers with me. 
God's more organized than we are. Hallelujah. And as I walked in, she burst into tears and said, I was praying someone would come. How often do we miss the opportunities that God has for us because we already have a plan and an agenda? There's a refining, a purity, and a repentance. And I believe the Holy Spirit is calling us into a fresh awakening of what is true and what is right and what is good, what is holy. Him, the cornerstone. Him, the plumb line. The more we seek Him and the higher we climb, the more we gain perspective of what's pleasing and what's not to the Lord. Just like Josiah. He had a, had a heart for the Lord. But when... As he grew and as they found the word of the Lord, suddenly they realized, whoa, there's a whole lot we're doing that is mixture and wrong. And they repented. And in this season, I believe that God is about to release a greater glory that beyond what we've ever seen before. But in order for us to be able to be safe in the glory, we've got to get rid of that which will be burned up with the fire. Hallelujah. I've been... Um, Prophesying, I started sharing this word back in 2019 in um, December. I shared it for Sid Roth, and I want to share it with you. And I'd like you to turn with me to Haggai chapter 2, verse 1. It says here, in the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. You know, I believe that there is mothers and fathers, grandfathers and grandmothers who remember revivals of pasts where and today when they look at how some culture has crept into the church and caused compromise, the Lord is raising you up again to begin to remember, hey, hey, I remember. I mean, I remember when, when, when I was dating Tom, you know, I met him at 15. I married when, we were when I was 20. But I remember growing up in, in church and sex before marriage was the thought of that was like, you'd die if you did that. You know, like that's the unthinkable thing. It was unthinkable. And I remember somebody got involved sexually with someone else and we were like, oh, how could they, how? It was just beyond our scope. Yet today... We look at culture and we look at how culture is creeping into the church and we don't have the same horror for sin. I'm not talking about pointing the finger or being judgmental or religious. I mean, that we, God's not interested in religious rules that have the appearance of wisdom but have no value in actually preventing sin. Hallelujah. 
religion and, and legalism is just yuck. I mean, we've, we've tasted that too. But, but there, what, there was a higher level of fear of the Lord than often we see in the church today. And it's going to take fathers and mothers who are willing to speak up and say, hey, hey, let me speak to you. Let me help you. Let me remind you of the way of the Lord. Amen? Come on. He is the cornerstone and the plumb line. And we have to come to the place where we say, I have determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. You know, we need to be careful that when, when we get ideas, you know, young ones get ideas like, oh, we're free because we're free. We can do anything, you know. Oh, we're free. Yes, you're free and you're righteous by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, there's a higher standard for you. You've been given by the grace of God, the gift of righteousness. Therefore, walk in the fear of God and walk at a higher level. A high... Jesus came and he raised the bar and he showed it's impossible. But then he gave his life to give you supernatural power to walk at a higher level of holiness. Hallelujah. And God is calling his beautiful bride to walk by faith. The righteous shall live by faith to leap and to skip on the mountains of holiness above, above culture, above compromise. Hallelujah.